Hello there, ghosts and ghoulies, and welcome to another episode. I am your resident spooky drag queen, Pissy Miles. And I'm your resident spooky smartass, Sam Baxter. And And this this is is my spooky spooky gay gay family. Hey there, Sam. Hi, Pissy. How are you? I'm well. How are you? So far, so good. I am really like, I feel like I need a staple gun just to like keep my eyes open right now. (laughs) Just, I'm like, uh, what's his name from Scrooge, Bill Murray. (laughs) And I'm like, uh, they're like, we can't get the antlers to stay on their heads. He's like, doesn't anyone have a stapler? (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel about my eyelids right now. I'm, I'm just like totally done with my day i have had it i have done it she's gone about as far as she can go (laughs) how's your day been it's been fine i am also kind of exhausted and i'm not really sure why because i didn't do a damn thing today really really nothing sat on the couch and watched movies nothing of note no not really well i mean at least you got to watch some movies what did you watch um, I watched the Lord of the Rings again. The whole thing? Not the whole thing. I think I got through, I got about halfway through the two towers. That's still like 17 hours. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a small amount of time now. No, not by any means. I love Lord of the Rings. I'm not like, I wouldn't describe myself as a huge fantasy nut, mm-hmm. but I do really love the Lord of the Rings. Especially the movies. I just think Peter Jackson, like, nailed it. He really did. They're fantastic, and I love them. Uh, but we did not come here to talk about no, Lord we didn't. of the Rings Maybe today. someday. Maybe Sunday. Someday. Oh, I thought you said Sunday. I was like, no. it is Sunday. <laughs> I was like, did I forget something? Are we doing it? Did I watch the wrong movie? <laughs> You're like, yeah, Pizzy, we're doing this, the we're two doing- towers. We're doing fellowship today. What's, fellowship. What's... Could you imagine? Maybe one day we should do a watch along of the entire. Uh, the extended edition. Extended back to back. edition. The Lord of the Rings. Be filming Everyone's for like, 24 hours. <laughs> how long is it actually? I think it's about 24 hours for all three of them. The extended cuts. That's ridiculous. They're each like. What is that? Eight hours? No, it's, it's not, they're not really 24 hours. I think they're closer to like. 16 to 18 that's because the extended edition, because the extended editions are long they're like between three and four and four hours each that's fucking ridiculous yeah but i've watched all three of them back to back so i can't like, have you yes <laughs> i couldn't even imagine i've i've never done it back to back i have i'm sure at some point in my life watched all of the extended cuts of the movies mm-hmm. but like at a certain point, you're like, okay, I've seen this before. I know what's going to happen. No, where you get into the 24-hour mark is if you also watch all three of the Hobbit movies. Oh, I don't do that. The Hobbit movies were not as good. Not like, nearly. Like, I will, I will be 
upfront in saying that the Hobbit movies were not as good, particularly Battle of Five Armies was kind of lame. It was kind of like, dumb, if I'm being yeah, honest. Yeah, no, there was no reason to cut that story into three parts. No reason whatsoever. Other than we wanted three box offices. It's not... And it was like, uh, the second they did that, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. You could have just done one prequel. Honestly, I can, I can see the argument for cutting it into two, because a lot does happen in the book, and they added a lot of stuff. Well, but and like, that was the problem. They had to add so much to make it three movies that it was like, you've, yeah, you've written think, a new story. I don't think there were three movies worth of shit in there, but I think with the fleshing out that they did to make it kind of more of an action thing, like, you probably could have gotten away with two. And it's not an inactive book. Like, no, a lot not. of shit happens in it. <laughs> it's not like if they hadn't added anything, no, it, it would have dragged on. It's a bit more genteel than, <laughs> I mean, I than Peter Jackson would have you believe. Well, it's a children's book, so it's yeah, I suppose <laughs> it's a little less, you know, and, you know, Legolas does not make an appearance at any point. Doesn't he? No, Legolas is not in The Hobbit at all. Oh, I didn't know that. Nope. It's been I don't think I've read that book in nearly 30 years. So <laughs> I, I, it's been a while since I uh, it's been more picked recent it up. for me. Really? Yeah. How often do you read it? I don't have like a schedule for it, but I think the last time I read it was probably like two or three years ago. Really? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I have tried on multiple occasions to read Fellowship Mm -hmm. and I can't do it. It is a very dense book. It's not even that it's dense. I just don't really care for J.R.R. Tolkien's writing. That's fair. And I know that there are going to be a lot of people out there who are like, oh my God, but he's J.R.R. Tolkien. And it's like, I I really don't care. Like, I truly, honestly don't care. No, but like... People could probably say the same thing about me. Like, I cannot read Dune. Like, I can't do it. Like, <laughs> I've, I've, never tr- tried. I've tried several times. And the same thing. People is, but it's Frank Herbert. Like, how could you not? <laughs> and it's like, because it's it's really long. And it's really not that interesting in the beginning. And it's like, it's not. It's, and that it's very par- difficult yeah. to get through. Yeah, that was part of the problem with Fellowship. It's like, what's the what's the hobo's name? Tom Bombadil? Yeah, Tom Bombadil. It's like, what are we doing? <laughs> We're just sorry. wasting time now. <laughs> just describe Tom Bombadil as a hobo. <laughs> oh, well, what, how else would you describe him? <laughs> in theory, he's actually one of the more powerful entities in Middle Earth, but there's... there's For section. what? They stopped in his house and he's like, here, have a steak. See you later. <laughs> like, Tom Bombadil... <laughs> We walked, we really got our steps in on Tom Bombadil. Yes, we, we were like, you know what? We're going to Mordor. But first, let's stop at Tom's house. He's got he's got latkes. And he, he makes the best latkes. I don't know why you have to be a Jewish grandma to be traveling through Middle Earth to Tom Bombadil. But I there's I was like, what the fuck are we even doing here? How did we get here and why are we here? What do they get from him? Um, they face off against the Bower Whites, which gets them their swords. The who now? The Barrow Whites. I don't recall. It's it's okay. You don't really have to. It's it is in fact a necessary stop. They get their swords. It's a big deal later. Mary kills the Witch King in Return of the King, which I still disagree with, but it happened. It's. It does have far further reaching implications, but yeah, no, it was just, it's mostly just J.R.R. Tolkien really liked the idea of Tom Bombadil. Well, I have to disagree. <laughs> <laughs> Do 
To be fair, a lot of people disagree. <laughs> like, like what, who gives a shit about him? <laughs> Tom Bombadil is a very divisive figure in Middle Earth. It's, you either absolutely love Tom Bombadil or you absolutely hate him. I just remember when I got to that, I was like, I was like, how many more people are we adding to this? There's already 600. And we're going to get, we're going to go into this fucking Looney Tunes house and get, and and I was like, I don't have the time. I really don't. And it just felt like such a, a it was like, nothing was a straight walk in this book. Everything was like, we got a, it was like a, you were in a pinball machine. And I've never, I've never gotten past Tom Bombadil in the book. That's, that's fair. There's, I haven't actually gotten to, there's an, there's an app that I've been using. It's called Walk to Mordor. And, and is it like a steps app? Yes, it's a steps app. <laughs> you haven't even gotten to Tom Bombadil yet? I haven't gotten to Tom Bombadil See, yet. that's what I'm saying. And you've been using it for what, three, been, four years? I've been using it for three months and I have not yet gotten to Tom Bombadil. So in three months, you have not gotten to Tom Bombadil. No, I'm just barely out of the show. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. It's like, and and you go on the treadmill every day. I do. Every day for like an hour? Yes. So you figure in 90 days, if you walk an Tom hour Bombadil. a day. Yeah. No, I have not hit Tom Bombadil yet. You don't even get to fucking Tom Bombadil. And guess what? <laughs> to get back to the relevant part of Middle Earth, it's another 90 day walk. <laughs> Fuck Tom Bombadil. <laughs> It's stupid. That's the name of this episode. Fuck Tom Tom Bombadil. Yes, this episode (laughs) is called Fuck Tom Bombadil. And I mean every goddamned word of it. I mean, what a waste of space. I fucking hate that guy. Sarah's in the office right now, like, writing up a master's thesis on why you're wrong, because she can hear everything I don't give a fuck. (laughs) Not one solitary fuck. Tom Bombadil is a waste of about 6,000 words. How many words are in the average novel? Um, that depends on what 50,000? For a literary novel, yes. For a fantasy novel, no. You're okay. Tom Bombadil's section of fellowship is like six hundred thousand words, <laughs> and I, it is just not worth it. This guy, he's like Galadriel, and all the elves, and like uh, they don't even touch him in the fucking movie, and they still got forty-two hours of movie. <laughs> yes, that's who true. needs him? She was like, "Here, have some swords." <laughs> They glow. Woo, get out of here. <laughs> and Tom Bombadil's like, let me tell you a story. And you're like, shut the fuck up, Tom. We have shit to do. He's like, I like your jewelry. They're like, get out of here. <laughs> He's crazy. How the Tom- fuck did we even get to talking about Who Tom- cares? <laughs> I'm here for it. But I'm not here for Tom Bombadil. <laughs> fuck that guy. Seriously. <laughs> Don't you think they could have easily gotten those swords somewhere else? Peter Jackson did it. I, I know. I know that he did. And and I liked the elves better. They were a lot more entertaining than the fucking uh, the, See, the loony know. hut always, in the middle of the woods. The elves were kind of boring. Oh, I like the elves. No, it's just they're, they're all very... That's they're more true. boring than Tom that, Bombadil? In the, in the movies, the elves are kind of boring. In the, in the books, they're less boring than they are in the films. 
Because in the films, it's like Enya's playing and everybody's at a health spa. Oh, see, I like, like that. Because then they're all relaxed and ready for the action. And then when the action comes, they're like, ha ah, we kill everything. <laughs> I like the elves. One of my favorite things in The Hobbit is the fact that we find out that Legolas is a hick. Wait, well, what? It- <laughs> the Mirkwood elves are like the cousins from Alabama that nobody talks about. So Legolas is like a hick. And they're still like twice as refined <laughs> as anyone else yes. on the planet. <laughs> and the other elves are like, we can shine our shoes with our anus. And <laughs> and the Mirkwood elves are like, you're disgusting. Tom Bombadil's an asshole. And we're like, like, who the fuck are we talking to? And then Tom Bombadil is like, I made soda from beets. And you're like, shut up, Tom. (laughs) Nobody cares. Also, Legolas's name in in Elvish means Greenleaf. So his full name is Greenleaf Greenleaf. What? His full name is Legolas Greenleaf, but Legolas in Elvish means Greenleaf. So his name is Greenleaf Greenleaf. Beats the fuck out of Tom Bombadil. Sleepy Tom over there, who's like, did I ever tell you a story about hemp? And it's like, like, no one wants to buy your fucking corn, Tom. Leave us alone. See, no, that's that's Radagast the Brown is the hemp. He is kind of Radagast. I am kind of describing Radagast. But even Radagast is more entertaining than Tom Bombadil, who's like the lazy cousin of Radagast. <laughs> There are people listening to this right now like, this is a fucking horror podcast. Why the hell are we talking about this? If you don't know who these people are, uh, you're really missing out. (laughs) Except with... At at least watch the movies. Yeah, especially because they don't have Tom Bombadil. (laughs) His name is even... It's like, I don't even want to say... It's like Tom Bombadil. Tom Bombadil. He was the kid that the the substitute teacher was like, and Tom Bombadil. Like, nobody even wanted to acknowledge that he was there. Even as a six-year-old, he was precocious. You know what I mean? And annoying. He was the six-year-old that was like, do you know how easy it is to make soap? And they were like, shut up, Tom! No, why would you rag on Bob like that? Nobody gives a shit about your chia seeds. I don't even know what he's, he does. Like, is he even nice to them? I don't even yeah, think he's, he's nice to them. I don't think, but he's like kind of rude, isn't he? He's strange. He's an odd bird. Yeah, he's not. He's like Kevin from Up. <laughs> <laughs> Just keeps hitting his head on things. It's one of those things that it's actually, it's been a while since I read Fellowship. So like, I have an imperfect memory of Tom Bombadil, but like, I, I don't, don't blame you I for taking time between readings. It. Simply for the fact that Tom Bombadil is there. And you know what's funny? I don't even really feel that strongly about Tom Bombadil. I just know that every time I hit that part of the book, I'm like, and I'm out. I'm done. Like, it just, there's something about, it's like, can we get to like one bit of action? You have to at least get to Brie. I love Brie. (laughs) When do they get to Brie? After Tom Bombadil. What what happens in Brie? That's where they meet Aragorn and... Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I thought we were talking about pony. cheese. Oh, no. Um, I, <laughs> no. <laughs> I, like, I like what happens in Brie with like the stone pony or whatever it is. The prancing pony. The prancing pony. The stone pony is in Asbury Park. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, when they go and, and meet Bruce Springsteen <laughs> in Brie and he's like, here, have some cheese, little people. And they're like, cool. And then the ring rays are like, we like cheese. And they're like, get out of here. Nobody likes you. 
Um, but anyway, we. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I could Next do week, a... we'll start with a rant on the two towers. It'll be fun. You know, I love the two towers. I've never read the book because I never finished the fellowship, but I like the movie. It's a good movie. The, I think of all the movies, that one scares the shit out of me the most. Oh, because of Helm's Deep? Helm's Deep scares the shit out of me. You want to talk it's about like horror scene. movies? The Orokai are scarier than literally any monster I can think of from <laughs> any other movie. The Orokai are creepy. No, they're... I would even say... It's I, like having an army of Jason Voorhees is trying to kill you. Yeah, except they make really bad noises and they run. Yeah. Yeah. And they're scary and they have fangs. I I don't know if I'd rather run into like Jaws or an Urukai. What's the what's the really fucked up Urukai's name? I can't remember his name. Oh, Lurtz. Lurtz. I always want to call him Lurch. <laughs> He's like mm. Yeah, the one that were, where like Aragorn stabs him and he just pulls, he pulls the sword, the sword through deeper. him to get closer to <laughs> yes. him. And I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> Even the shark went underwater when they stabbed it. And Lurtz is like, take an arm, take a leg, I'll eat your face. And it's like, this guy is fucked up. But anyway. anyway, I'm not done. (laughs) Yeah, I really don't like Lurtz. He scares the shit out of me. We haven't even gotten to Return of the King. We really should do like an episode on the Lord of the Rings just because there's a lot of creepy shit in the Lord of the Rings. You have the army of the dead. You have uh, Shelob. Shelob is nightmare fuel. Nightmare fuel. Um, you have the mouth of Sauron, which is also nightmare fuel. Yeah. Yeah. In the I, movies, although, anyway. In the movies. But even in the movies, I wouldn't even say he's the scariest wraith. No, he's not. I, no. I would say the other wraiths probably creep me out more because they're so, like, gangly and weird. It's like it's it's like being chased by a robe with legs. You don't, It's like, <laughs> oh, oh, God. It's like, show me at least a leg. Like, <laughs> I want to make sure there's somebody under there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you feel like if a wind blew, the robe would just hit the ground? Like and then, Marilyn then be, Monroe. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> like, <laughs> and then like the wraith is gone. It's just like, oh, where did he go? <laughs> so anyway, yeah. But we'll, anyway, we'll, we'll yeah. eventually, eventually I will convince Pissy to do a full episode on the Lord It of wouldn't the take much convincing. I really do love those movies. <laughs> I would do it. I'd do it tonight. Fuck, fuck Psycho. Let's get it. Let's do it. <laughs> and by the way, we're doing Psycho. And by the way, we're doing Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> yes, kids. Welcome to another episode of uh, My Spooky Gay Family. We are very happy to be back. We have, um, we actually have a lot of shit to talk about today. We have some really cool stuff. We are obviously, for the main episode, talking about... Uh, we, we gave it away, so it doesn't need much of an introduction. And I don't think it needs one anyway. It really packs a punch just saying the name. We are doing a, a classic, 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 iconic, legendary uh, film from the horror genre. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a horror movie. It, I, I really think it's more of a thriller, a uh, psychological, psychological thriller. thriller. Yeah. Um it is a classic Hitchcockian movie. It is uh, the one and only 1960 original version of Psycho, starring Janet Lee and uh, Tony Perkins, Anthony Perkins, if you don't know him like I do. And um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be chatting about that. But before we get into Psycho, we have some listener commentary and questions. And we, uh, yeah, we have to get through that. Okay. 
Um, before I jump in, how was your week? Did you do anything special? Not really. I know we talked a bit <clears> about <throat> some of that stuff in the the minisodes. And by the way, we mentioned in the minisode that uh, this week we are doing a very special um, watch along, or not watch along, nope, sleepover. sleepover. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Back to one. We're starting the episode over. Back to Tom. We're going back to Tom. Uh, We are doing a very special sleepover this week. It is my birthday week next week-ish. Yeah, sort of. Come Monday, we'll be within a week of my birthday. Yes. So uh, next week, this we're going to be celebrating my birthday just a little bit early at the sleepover this this week. And... uh, the sleepover, again, is just like a fun little kind of one-hour party that we throw once a month. And it is for our patrons on Patreon. So if you'd like to join us for our uh, sleepovers or for or if you'd like watch-alongs or other cool content, you can check it out at patreon.com slash myspookygayfamily. Um, and so we've got that coming up this weekend. We... Uh, we had quite an eventful weekend this past weekend. We celebrated Zach's birthday. Our mm-hmm. nephew, Zach, is a t- <clears throat> is officially a teenager, which yes. is horrifying. Yes, it is. I'm like, I can't believe you were born 13 years ago. I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> and not a freshman. So uh, I'm just about ready to, you know, jump out a window. But uh, it was, a, we had a great time. We played games and we did a lot of fun stuff after you and Sarah left. That was when the craziness ensued. Oh, I meant to tell you this before. Did I I tell you what we did after you left? I assumed you played taboo. We did briefly. Mm -hmm. We played taboo for a bit, but then Zach, since it was his birthday, got to choose a game and he chose secret Hitler. Oh, okay. Um, And it was the (laughs) most intense game of secret Hitler we have ever played like it turned like no nobody could be trusted for those of you who don't know secret hitler is a kind of a board game kind of a card game uh i i don't know how to explain it other than it's like this game where you have to play with at least five people and of the five people, two people are quote unquote fascists. One is Hitler and the other three are liberals. And you have to try and enact, I think it's like six or eight um, policies. And the liberals are trying to enact liberal policies. The fascists are trying to get people to enact fascist policies. But the whole thing is you don't want people to know if you're a fascist. So it's like tricking people and trying to like trick people into passing fascist policies and like all this stuff. You should definitely look it up. I think you can check it out at secrethitler.com. It's a really, really fun game. It's like a game of trust and strategy and tactics. And it, it it's fucking insane. But Jessica was a monster. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm not a hundred percent surprised by that. Jessica usually is during games. <laughs> it was like, she totally convinced me she was a liberal and played me like a fucking fiddle. And I was like, I remember it was so bad that in the next game, she wasn't a fascist. And she was trying to convince me to do something. And I was like, Jessica, I cannot trust you. And she was like, no, I, I'm being honest. And I was like, that's what you would say if you were a fascist. Like, <laughs> it was one of those things where like, I literally could not see past the game before. I was like, you did it so well that now I literally cannot trust you. And she was like, she was like, 
Pissy, you are going to ruin the game for us. And I was like, no, you are ruining the game for us because you are go- you fucked it all up for every. It was like the worst game of trust we have ever played. And it was it was so much fun. It is a, it, like I cannot recommend this game enough if you're the kind of person who likes these games. It's like Among Us, the board game. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever played Among Us. And it's a lot, a lot of fun um, to play with a group. I definitely recommend it. That said, <laughs> we do have some some fun questions from uh, listeners and some commentary from listeners as well. Um, most of our our comments are from uh, people who are just saying like how much they love Psycho, and I don't blame them. Carolyn Clapper wrote in and said Psycho is a classic. Something doesn't get copied and parodied and still watched this day unless it is really amazing or really terrible. It's one of the first horror movies I ever saw a while ago. <laughs> um, and Melissa wrote in and said uh, it Psycho made her terrified in the shower, especially in hotels. I don't blame you. Um, she still gets weirded out in hotels. Um, and some people call it the the mother of storytelling. She says, "I've never I've never heard that storytelling, camera angles, special effects, and editing." I I definitely see that because it is a really amazing movie. I really mm. enjoyed getting to watch it again. Uh, and Melissa said, "Please tell the story behind the photo of you laying on the stage." <laughs> this is kind of an and I don't want to say an in-joke, but I posted a photo this weekend on my personal social media, the Pissy Miles social media, not um, Spooky Gay Family, of something that happened during a show this Thursday. I was performing at Pieces in New York City, where I perform every single Thursday. <clears throat> and the photo just said, how um, I, it's, I forget exactly what it, it said it was something like, "How was the show last night?" You tell how do you, uh, you tell me? And then the photo was just me like laying on the stairs of the stage with like both legs spread out and my underwear hanging out. And I think most people thought that I fell, so it was very misleading. I did not fall. It was a planned uh, pose that I do. I do it as part of a a song. It <laughs> the song is "Dark Lady" by Cher. Mm-hmm. You know the song, yeah. right? Dark lady laughed and danced and lit the candles one by one. And it, everyone does the claps. That's like mm-hmm. the big thing. Everyone has some, every bar has their thing for like what they do on the bump, bump. Uh, and at Georgie's, they like bang their their glasses on the bar. Mm-hmm. Some people clap, some people sing. So it's, it's like a whole thing. But um, <clears throat> excuse me, when I do the number, the last verse is... Um, her basically singing that she went and found her man sleeping with the fortune teller who told her to like leave and never come back. And it was just the fortune teller, like tricking her into leaving and giving her her man. Yeah. Um, and she was like, uh, she's like, I bet I caught them at home. I, I can't remember the lyrics off the top of my head. And you'd think I would because I do it there every week, not every week. Um, I, I do it there all the time. Um, and the, there's one verse where she goes, uh, laughing and kissing till they saw the gun in my hand. Next thing I knew, they were dead on the floor. And when I sing that, I like fall on the floor like I'm dead and stop lip syncing. And everyone goes wild and they go crazy. And then I literally like 
I lay there for the rest of the song. It's like a whole <laughs> verse and a chorus, and I don't move. But when it gets to the chorus, and she goes the she does the dark lady laughed and danced and lit the candles one by one. I I'm still like laying there dead, like like mouth open, tongue hanging out. But I but on the bump bump, I still like clap my hands, and that always gets a big laugh. Like it's just like a thing. <laughs> Um, so that is what that photo was from. I was performing Dark Lady by Cher. <laughs> <laughs> that said, now that I've explained that little bit, we do actually have a really fun listener story. Okay. That I have not shared with you at all yet. This was sent in by uh, Greg. They sent it in on Instagram. And uh, I-, I don't know if Greg wants me to share their... Instagram handle? Kind of hard to say. Uh, they said that I could share the story. So I'm going to say, you know what? Go out and follow Greg. He, uh, excuse me, they uh, seem like a really cool person. They're from the the Baltimore, Maryland area. Um, and they sent me this story because uh, Greg had listened to uh, the... Jersey Devil episode. Yeah. And they sent in this story. Their um their Instagram handle is Cosmo underscore cubby. C-O-S-M-O underscore cubby. C-U-B-B-Y. Um, and they sent me this story that is something I had never heard of. And I was like, oh, okay. I I was like, this is the best thing I've ever read. Um, they said, hey, hey, I just finished the Jersey Devil episode and you were looking for more lore stories. Well, since you enjoyed the hodgepodge makeup of the devil, I know you're going to love the hodgepodge makeup of the Snallygaster okay. living around Fred- Frederick, Maryland. Not sure if you're aware of this one, but it's supposedly part reptile, bird, with razor teeth and a metallic beak, and depending on the person's story, sometimes has octopus tentacles. Okay. <laughs> really putting Jerry, uh, <laughs> like, like this is a, a fight to the duel. Um, <laughs> the story goes, the Snallygaster would stalk around the central Maryland slash DC area, swooping down to snatch up victims and suck their blood. Rumor has it people would use a seven-point star to keep the Snallygaster away. I'd totally recommend going down the Snallygaster rabbit hole if you already haven't. Um, And I said, Greg, this is amazing. This is exactly the kind of story we love getting. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Hope you're well. And they said, you're absolutely welcome. I grew up in Baltimore, so it was just as popular of a story to us as the Blair Witch, which I thought was pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. Um, so thank you, Greg, for sharing um, your story about the Snallygaster. I will absolutely be looking up everything. Yes, this, I, I'm going down like that rabbit, rabbit hole. hole. Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> and I am taking the pill. <laughs> I'm going down. <laughs> I'm yelling timber. Uh, can you? That is the most bizarre animal I could think of. A reptile bird with razor sharp teeth and alternately. And tentacles. a metallic beak. And a metallic beak. And occasionally tentacles. Occasionally tentacles. Only when, when they're feeling uh, Extra flamboyant. Fancy. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, these are my dress tentacles. <laughs> <laughs> the Snallygaster definitely likes to get dressed up. Likes to put on a show. <laughs> she sounds like a fancy lady. I like it. I would <laughs> love to meet the Snallygaster. Let's, let's, uh, let's take a trip down to Maryland and see if we can find it. Uh, so thank you, Greg. We appreciate you sharing. And 
That said, mm-hmm. I do believe it is time to uh, get on to the topic of the week. As I said earlier, we are going to be discussing one of uh, the most iconic films in the horror shop. Oh my god, I am imploding. <laughs> I'm like trying to talk without making it sound like I'm dying, but I like I have like hiccups and burps and coughs at the same time, and it's like it can't decide what it wants to be, so it just keeps going. <laughs> Um, we are discussing the classic, uh, psychological thriller slash maybe horror movie, Psycho from 1960. It was, uh, written by Joseph Stefano, uh, who wrote the screenplay. It was based on a novel by Robert Block and was, of course, famously directed by the, uh, amazing Alfred Hitchcock. Do you remember the first time you came upon this movie? Uh, yeah, actually, I think Dad made me watch it. Really? Yeah, it was right when I was starting to get into into scary movies, and he was like, well, you know, you, you should really see Psycho. Psycho, because it started everything. And I mean, that's arguable. As, I think I was like 11 or 12, maybe, the first time I saw it. Because, like, there, there's not really a lot in it that would be objectionable to a child that age. Like, no. Like, by 1960 standards, this was a fairly risque movie. This was probably scandalous. It was scandalous. Like, they had a hard time getting stuff past the censors, particularly Janet Lee being in her bra for, like, half the movie. There's one part Um, when she's in the shadow, uh, shadow, shower, mm -hmm. and you can, like, almost make out her breasts. Almost, yeah. When she's, like, after she's been stabbed, I was like, oh. I was like, I never realized that that was a thing. And I'm sure when this was shown, the quality of the screen was not good enough that you could probably make out very much at all. But watching, like, I don't know, the remastered version now Mm -hmm. in 2021, I was like, oh, my God. Like, (laughs) I'm pretty sure I'm looking at nipples, but I'm not sure. (laughs) I had the same thought when I was watching it. And I I I kind of like clutched my pearls for a second i'm like oh my god breasts and then, like, i'm thinking about like the movies that i have seen and the and movies like, that i have watched I, i've like, seen boobs literally swinging about people's heads like for real like i've <laughs> like they were attached to the heads it's at so the time tame by like modern horror movies i know it's so tame but at, but you're watching it and it's in black and white and janet lee and anthony perkins are doing their like you know they're in the actor studio thing mm-hmm. and I'm sitting here like boobies. Oh my God. <laughs> like I can't, I can't believe I saw breasts. This is this is. This it was is like a lot. you were 16 again. No, because I I remember being like 11 or 12, and Dad didn't like cover my eyes or anything for this, so so I didn't notice them the first time. But I do remember being kind of like, oh, we see a lot of Janet Lee in this shower. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, there's her bare stomach. Like, and there's the knife. And like, the knife. <laughs> but like. You actually, I would say, see a surprising amount of Janet Lee in this movie. Yeah. Even when she's like hunched over in the shower after the attack mm-hmm. and she's like getting ready to fall over onto the floor. It's like, by today's standards, really fairly innocent. Yeah. But for 1960, this was like. Like, this must was have a been lot. a lot. They flushed a toilet. It was, <laughs> it a big was the deal. first movie ever to flush a toilet, as a matter of fact. Yes, and they 
apparently the screenwriter really wanted that distinction, which is why she tears up the note and throws it in the toilet, was just to get the toilet to flush. I don't really understand why that's such an accomplishment, but I'll I mean, I guess at the time it was kind of like, it was a big deal. They're like, how many firsts can we get in this? And they were like, toilet flushing? No, we'll settle for nipples. (laughs) (laughs) Well, apparently uh, in the beginning, Alfred Hitchcock had wanted Janet Lee to be naked from the waist up in that first scene where... She's with, with, with Sam. Sam. Yeah. Um, and obviously that there was no way in hell that was getting past the censors. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently he shot a bunch of other stuff that was more risque. Really? So that the, when the censors came back and said, you can't do this, you have to cut this, this, and this, what he actually wanted was still there. And that that's a very smart idea. And it's something I've seen a lot of people employ in film yeah. is like, okay, we're going to trick the MPAA into... Yeah. <laughs> Into giving us exactly what we want. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, here. We're going to go so far overboard that they cut us back to where we wanted to be. (laughs) Yeah. Basically, they were like, okay, we're going. They they looked at Anthony Perkins. They're like, okay, sit on this traffic cone. And he's like, what? (laughs) And they're like, do it. We need Janet Lee's boobies. And he was like, fine. (laughs) And nothing was unusual. No. Um, Yes, so this movie does famously star Anthony Perkins, Janet Lee, Vera Miles, and uh, John Gavin as Sam Loomis. Uh, they are the four main leads in this yes. movie. And for those of you who have never seen it, and I, it's been closer to 100 years. Than, <laughs> than the, it's been, what, 60 years since this came out? 1960, 70, 80, 90, yeah. 2000. 10, 20, yeah, it's been 60 years Yeah, this since is this movie year. came out. So uh, you're so really behind. <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> if you haven't seen it. Um, this movie, and I'm just going to read you what it says on IMDb as far as a summary. Um, it says a Phoenix secretary. That is, of course, uh, uh, Janet Lee. Janet Lee, Marion Crane, the character's name is. Um, secretly embezzles $40,000 from her employer's client, goes on the run and checks into a remote hotel run... uh, Oh, motel. I was like, did they really write hotel? I was like, it's it's one of the most famous things about this. It is a famous room. It is... She... Oh, Jesus Christ. Are you okay? (laughs) No. She checks into a remote motel run by a young man under the domination of his mother. Which I think is the most simplistic summary of this movie you can possibly give. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give a little more detailed one. Uh, the se- the Phoenix secretary is uh, Marion Crane. She is played by Janet Lee. She works for uh, a gentleman who works in real estate, I believe. I believe she works for an attorney or a real estate. Yeah. And he is in the process of... Uh, selling a house. The gentleman who is buying the house puts down 40000 I think buys it cash, $40,000. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, Marion is having a kind of secret affair with Sam Loomis, who is a hardware store owner. Mm-hmm. And in order to kind of live their affair openly and without hesitation she decides to steal the money and go on the run so that she can continue this affair with sam loomis she ends up kind of running into some some craziness with the police 
She buys a new car. She goes on the run. She ends up at the Bates Motel where she checks in and immediately meets Norman Bates, (laughs) (laughs) played famously by Anthony Perkins. And uh, while there, she is murdered by someone. Viciously, yes. Viciously in the shower with a, a kitchen knife. And the and rest. A violin quartet. And a violin quartet. And she is uh, then, for the rest of the film, trying to be located by uh, her sister Lily. Or Lila. 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 Yeah. Um, and Sam. Mm-hmm. And that is essentially the, the general summary of this movie. I don't remember the first time I saw this movie. If I'm being honest, it feels like so long ago. I must have been a teenager. Okay. And I remember at the time, I was probably too young to appreciate it. I think I Mm -hmm. probably found it a bit boring. You know, I can see how that would be. I I remember being a little surprised just because, like, it had been built up so much in my mind. It's like, oh, this is psycho. This is like, this Mm -hmm. is... This is like the world's first horror movie, even though that's not true. Yeah, it's really not. By any any stretch, but it's... But it had been built up so much in my head that, like, I remember being absolutely shocked that only two people die. Like. Uh, yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) For some reason, I thought there were three. I thought we were missing one, but it's not. It's two. It's just, um, uh, God, why can't I remember her fucking name? Marion. Yeah. (laughs) And the. The uh, private detective. I think it's Arbogast, right? Yeah. Uh, Detective Arbogast, who is a private, a private eye. Yeah, um, and a real tool. He was a fucking dick, right? Yeah, no, he's kind of an asshole. All the cops in this movie gave me bad vibes. Like Sheriff Chambers, or not Sheriff Chambers, the 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 fucking... The traffic Traffic cop, cop or whoever yeah. he was. I, the highway patrol officer who was played by Mort Mills and Mary, or, uh, Detective Arbogast. I was like... These guys are fucking assholes. And I know that in the 60s, it was probably still that, like, good old boy, uh, you know, thin blue line shit that's like, oh, we know they're the good guys because they're the cops. And it's like, but he was, like, he was being weird. My note for that was, like, I was like, this cop is being shadier than Marion. She pulled over to the side of the road to sleep, which can be dangerous. But like, as soon as he checked on her and was like, hey, you okay? And she was like, yeah, I got tired. So I stopped to to rest my eyes. He should have been like, okay, well, do you need anything? Are you okay? And she was like, no, I'm fine. And he should have been like, okay, see you later. And it's like, instead he's like asking her for ID. And, and it's like, it reminds me of every terrible traffic stop I've ever had. And I was like, this cop is kind of being a dickhead. Granted, she was stealing $40,000. But <laughs> yeah, but he didn't, he didn't know. He didn't know that. He didn't know. <laughs> he's just like, I don't know. There's something fishy. I'm going to follow her all the way. Where and watch her going, buy a car. And watch her buy a car. And then pull into the lot. And like... This is the thing that was kind of driving me crazy. I'm like, he's not even, like, pretending that he's not following her. No. He's just, so, like, like... He's just, like, he's being, like, such a fucking creep. Yeah. And, like, again, granted, Marion did steal $40,000. Like, Marion is, in fact, on the run and has done something wrong. Yeah, she did do something wrong. But as far as he was concerned... She really hadn't. It is not illegal to pull over to the side of the road. As a matter of fact, they advise that if you're too tired to drive, that's what you do. Yeah. Um, 
And and I just I just found it to be so like icky. Yeah, no, it was kind of like he was really mostly interested because she was like a woman and in a hurry. Yeah. Like she was kind of short with him. So he decided he was going to follow her Follow into her town. for miles. <laughs> and it was, it, it felt a little bit like he was going to be like, you want some of this drink? Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. And it's like, get the fuck out of here. Where'd you, what'd you put in that drink? The pills you got from the, her coworker? Her coworker was, <laughs> do you remember this part? Yes. The fucking coworker. I, I, this, it was like fucking killing me. She goes, she, uh, Marion is like, I have a bit of a headache. I'm going to take some aspirin. And the coworker is like, I've got something that's not aspirin. And I was like, what, Rufinol? Like, what do you have in that bottle? I was like, the 60s were fucking wild. I was like, this this could have gone in a totally different direction. This could have been Valley of the Dolls in about four seconds. She was like, tee-hee, Like, Well, she says that they're tranquilizers. She says, yeah, she says they're tranquilizers. And I'm like, for which kind of horse? (laughs) Dorothy. You know her name was Dorothy. It had to be Dorothy, right? I, I, I have no idea sure. what uh, what this character's name is, and I, I don't see it listed anywhere, but I, I'm going to call her Dorothy. For all intents and purposes, she's Dorothy. <laughs> okay. I, was, I, I just remember watching that scene and being like, what the fuck does this heifer have in that bottle? <laughs> she's like Norman's supplier. I was like, who is this bitch? And what is she doing working here? I just I I was like you are you are every stereotype of like a 60s person who's just like I have these pills don't know what they're called or where I got them but they make me feel funny <laughs> and, and it's like <laughs> Dorothy was just living her best life you know she went home that night drank an entire bottle of wine <laughs> Smoked a split, took two pills, and went and like got in the hot tub. And you're like, no, Dorothy, not the hot tub. Get in bed. You're gonna drown, Dorothy. I just remember thinking, like, the only thing I took away from that scene was like, she walks into her boss's office and goes, "I, I might just go home for the day. I have a slight headache." I'm like, the world was radically different. <laughs> the 60s like i could have gone into my boss's office complaining of chest pain and i'm not sure <laughs> i'm not sure they want to let me go home and your like, boss is like well what's causing the chest pain you're like i don't know it could be this javelin <laughs> and he's like he's like uh walk it off and he's like i have a slight headache i think i'll go home for the rest of the day i'm like my and he's God. like you do that and while you're at it why don't you take this forty thousand dollars to the in bank modern money is about 350k by the way it is I can tell you exactly how much because I looked it up too. <laughs> it is three hundred. It is approximately three hundred sixty thousand eight hundred eighty-three dollars. Because my first note was, "How did this motherfucker buy a house for forty thousand dollars?" <laughs> <laughs> and then when I looked up the conversion rate, or not the conversion rate, the uh, inflation rate, I was like, mm-hmm. mm, "Okay, that makes sense. That's a nice house today." Which is really sad because that's more than I paid for my house. So I'm sitting here going, "Like Marion stole more than my house is worth." Yeah, she really did. <laughs> Like, she really did. Like, well, fuck me. And God bless her. Although she was making off like she was going to fucking retire on it. And I was like, listen, that's a lot of money, but you're not retiring on 40K. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure what her plan was once she got to Sam. I really, and she like, didn't even go to him. No, she didn't even make it. There. Didn't even fucking call the dude. <laughs> and she was gone for like three days. <laughs> she was like, I was planning to run away with Sam. Did Sam know? No. No. 
Marion. I feel like I'm leaves listening. no note for her sister. Nothing like like I'm and I mean yeah, you're on the run. I get it, but like you were just gonna drop everything. You were gonna show up at this guy's hardware store and be like, hey, I have forty thousand. <laughs> Let's get out of here. In an envelope. And let's talk about this. She was like, I have $40,000. And then she pulled out like two short sacks and put them in an envelope. And I was like, listen, I work for tips. That's not $40,000. Let's be honest. Um, I, I just thought it was fucking ridiculous. I was like, you, I mean, you probably could put $40,000 in an envelope if you really wanted to. Yeah. But that was like, I was like. Where is this guy getting hundred dollars? I was like, is she? Is it in thousand dollar bills? Like, what did she? <laughs> how did she get forty thousand dollars in an envelope? A legal envelope, not even, or a, a letter envelope. Yeah, no, not even like a Manila envelope. No, it didn't even have letterhead. <laughs> Where were oh we going goodness. with this? Um, I'm honestly not sure. I th- I think my point was going to be that Marion was really, really bad at this whole heist thing. Yeah, not her strongest. Like moment. not not the best at it like yeah and considering where it ends it's like like girl <laughs> yeah like, and she's hiding she's she keeps moving the money i thought she, at first it had been so long since i'd seen the movie i was like is she gonna put the money in the toilet tank i was like i was like <laughs> if this bitch puts the money in the toilet tank i'm turning this off right now <laughs> i was like didn't they have true crime novels in the 60s i mean they did i, I was like, like didn't when the fuck did in cold blood come out <laughs> Come on, Janet. Get it together. <laughs> Damn it, Janet. <laughs> One of my no, notes st- was... Sorry. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was going to say, I, I still, like, I freak out when she puts it in the newspaper because I'm sitting here going, like, I would forget it was fucking in there. Like, why don't why don't you just leave it in your fucking suitcase? Like, why are you, like, why do you keep moving it? I don't understand why you keep playing with it. Like, just put it in your fucking suitcase. Like, I, I really couldn't tell you. I, she, kept, she like, moved into the newspaper, and then she puts it on the side table. And I'm like, bitch, what are you doing? And then fucking Fruit Loops comes in, and he's like, <laughs> he's like, oh, she left a newspaper. Better put this lumpy newspaper in her fucking suitcase and throw it in the, like, the koi pond. I was like... <laughs> Because that was another thing. I was watching this movie and I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. I was like, they're they're like, oh, the swamp, the quote unquote swamp. I was like, I was like, how many fucking cars can you fit in this koi pond? This is ridiculous. (laughs) He's killing the the private eye. He's killing Marion. And then all their cars just go in the swamp. I was like, there is no way he fit all these cars in those puddles. It was ridiculous. There was not enough water there. It was a lot. It was like a fucking sinkhole of like what? Oh, well, it just it just sank into the earth. It's now in the the earth's core. I especially love the shot where like her car doesn't go in all the way the first time, and it's kind of like sticking like, oh, up, and, and like it pans to his face, and he's just like, oh, and then it goes down all the way. He's like, who? Okay. <laughs> he he felt exactly what everyone else felt when we're like, oh no. <laughs> everyone has a Phoebe Buffay reaction where it's like, well, now what? <laughs> What are you gonna push it out? <laughs> gonna crawl in there and like just jump on it? <laughs> Ooh, go down, down, down! It really would turn into Looney Tunes. This really movie would. is a little bit Looney Tunes. It is a little bit. Looney Tunes. <laughs> uh, and speaking of it being a little bit Looney Tunes, yeah. do you consider this movie a horror movie? 
I mean, I I do consider that that some thrillers do count as horror movies, so I would say yes. I would I would say that the intent of this movie is to scare you, so I'm going to say yes, it's a horror movie. Can you think of another thriller that you consider a horror movie? Um, the only one I can think of off the top of my head is probably I I. I'm probably not getting the name of the movie right. I think it's called Taking Lives. Yeah. With Angelina Jolie and Ethan Hawke. Yeah, no, I know that one. <clears throat> um, there's also Hide and Seek with... Uh... Oh, my God. I'm a mess there. Robert De Niro. Oh, Robert um, De Niro. Yeah, there's Hide and Seek. Um, I would argue Silence <laughs> of the Lambs is a thriller and also a horror movie. Mm, that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, yeah, no, there's there's crossover. Not every thriller is a horror movie, and not every horror movie is a thriller, but there mm. are some that that coincide. There's a Venn diagram yeah. that happens with that, and this and one's I think definitely Psycho on the falls diagram. in the middle. Yeah, I th- and, and I think if nothing else, there are the two scenes that really solidify it are the bathroom scene and the scene where uh, Detective Poopy Pants gets pushed <laughs> down the stairs with the knife. Yes. <laughs> Because you can't even call it a stabbing. She's like, no. nah. Well, let's say she. We'll get to that. But she's like, nah. And then she like pokes him with the tip of the knife. She's like, she turns into Paul Poundstone for a second. She's like, touch. And then he's like, oh. And he falls down the stairs like it's fucking death becomes her. Um, all of a sudden, Detective Shitty Face is like, uh, flaccid. And she's just like, go down the stairs. And he... This, I don't know how they shot this. It must, did they have green screen in the 60s? Yeah, they had green screen. So this must have been a green screen shot. I'm honestly not sure how they accomplished this scene. I think it has to be because the way it looks is so like, bizarre and dated it it's like him like waving his arms but then the, we're going down the stairs but he's not like tumbling or stumbling yeah, or he's falling just... <clears throat> he's just like Ooh. <laughs> like like he's a, like he's a dying ghost <laughs> i was like what are you doing <laughs> i would call this a horror movie for those two scenes though yes no absolutely i would also argue the very last scene where we kind of find out who has been committing the murders? I would I would argue is scary, like particularly for yeah. for, for the time period the time. that was that was a big time scare. Well, and that was one of my biggest notes was I was like, you know, seeing this now is really not that shocking. <laughs> yeah, but at the time, Anthony Perkins must have looked like a fucking nut job, like a <laughs> like full nutty. He was a full. They must have been watching this movie and been like, "Nope." They they were like, "Absolutely not," because that's bizarre. Him running around the house in a house coat and his mother's hair. Like, I, I don't. I, I should say it's a cheap wig. It's not actually his yeah. mother's hair. They but actually it's like, call it a cheap wig. <coughs> literally verbatim, that is what they call like, it. He didn't even get a nice wig. He got a cheap wig. <laughs> Tony Perkins is like, "Fuck my drag, right?" <laughs> They couldn't, couldn't even spring be nice for the about. Lace front. I know, and you know what's funny? What lace fronts actually came up in my research of this movie? Did they really? Because I was watching this movie, and um, what's her name, Lila, who is mm-hmm. played by Vera Miles. At one point, when she is when she gets to the Bates Motel mm-hmm. and she's looking for Marion with Sam, she gets Sam to distract Norman while she goes for the house. But once she goes off on her own. 
There's a close-up when she's behind the motel. First of all, it looks like she's standing in front of a Model T. And I was like, oh my god. Um, Like, how old is this movie? That's number one. Number two, then it's like a close-up on her. But you can see this, like, line around her hairline. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I was like, is that a wig line? Because otherwise, I would not have been able to tell. It was a very convincing wig. but And I was like, is that a makeup line? I certainly didn't know. Is it a so. wig line? And I was looking at it and I was like, I was like, we have to do some deep diving into this. So I did do some deep diving. And I was like, I didn't even think... <clears throat> I didn't even think that lace front wigs were a thing back then. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that lace front wigs actually date back to the 1600s. Shit. I had no idea. Apparently, they've been made out of things like horsehair and shit like that. Yeah. But um, this wig was, in fact, a lace front film quality wig. Um, and in researching lace front wigs in the 60s, I came across... This has nothing to do with the movie. I just saw this. <laughs> I came across an article titled, um, Consider the Merkin. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> and I was like, for what? It was just a title, uh, uh, an article titled, Consider the Merkin. And now we have contention for the title of this episode. <laughs> I really don't know if it's Tom Bombadil or Consider the Merkin. I really oh don't my know. Goodness. I have okay. no idea. But I did notice that uh, that Vera Miles was wearing a lace front and did, in fact, find an article that confirmed that um, she was wearing a wig. I don't remember. I found. Um, oh, shit. Now I have to look it up. Um, it's the the website is the dot Hitchcock dot zone. So it's the Hitchcock zone, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um and they did say Vera Miles is wearing a wig in this movie. So I'm saying it's a wig line. I'm I'm going with it's a wig line. I really was shocked I wasn't expecting it. I'm really surprised by that. I didn't I didn't clock it at all. It so looks like, very nice. It's probably a human hair wig. Um and I I I I really would not have clocked it if it weren't for the wig line. I really truly wouldn't have. I, I was shocked as shit. You know, I didn't notice it at all. <clears throat> um, this that might have been because I happen to think Vera, My- Vera Miles is rather pretty, and I wasn't paying attention at all. To she that. is. You know what? There are a lot of beautiful people in this movie. Mm-hmm. Some of it is confusing <laughs> because I will be the first to say that, like, from the first time I ever watched this movie, I have been, I have like I've been like, oh, and like Anthony Perkins is very attractive. Mm-hmm. He's a very cute guy. Uh, and Vera Miles, obviously very pretty. Janet Lee, obviously very yes. pretty. Um, John Gavin, I would say, is is like typically attractive. He's not really my type, but uh, I I I do think that like people would probably call him attractive. He's also like he's kind of trying to do like kind of a Cary Grant thing in that one scene with Norman Bates when he's like like and where are you going to get the money, Bates? Where are you going to get the like a Cary Grant impression and I'm like I don't understand why you're doing this or he was just like uh possessed by the soul of Detective Arbogast and I was like I was like can we stop with this like 1950s like like 
swinging the the whatever the fuck it's the baton around yeah. like ah what are you gonna do with that <laughs> mugsy like <clears throat> the whole thing was just so fucking uh so fucking bizarre but i did say with the exception of tony perkins yeah there is not one single acceptable men's haircut in this movie <laughs> not a single one I even made a note at one point. I was like, imagine a time when you could be in a feature film with a comb over. <laughs> I don't think you could. Even the character actors now have like, have like fucking, they, they could like, they have a six pack. <laughs> it, 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 it's just impossible. The standards have changed. Yes, Back in, in the 60s, I think if you had a penis and at least one leg, you could be in a movie. <laughs> That was, that was the only criteria. <laughs> Two eyes and a penis. Don't Tor- even have torso to be, isn't necessary. Yeah, either. they don't even have to be in any particular they don't have place. To be attached. <laughs> they it's just like... have they can be anywhere on the body. They just have to be present. <laughs> penis on the shoulder, you're in. <laughs> he wears you know, a jock strap around his neck. <laughs> what did you say? He said, you know, they always said that about Spencer Tracy. <laughs> Well, he wore a jockstrap around his neck for a different reason. <laughs> he had that like weird old man turkey neck. He did have that weird old man. I never neck. understood why he was a leading man. And he's getting like 30 year old women. He's like 110. His nuts <laughs> were made of dust. I swear to God. I'm like, why is Spencer Tracy a leading man in anything? I don't. I can't explain it. <laughs> he was very funny. Like he, he always did a good job. He was, but I bet he was a leading man in the 1840s. <laughs> when he was a leading man in like what the 40s? Yeah, I think so. 50s, okay. 60s. I was like, I was like, dude, it's time to take on the grandpa roles. <laughs> like, like, like your 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 yeah, mother then you have like Then you have like entrapment where you have fucking shots. <laughs> You have fucking Sean Connery banging <laughs> Catherine Zeta-Jones, and it's a young Catherine Zeta-Jones. Like, but there's something about Sean Connery. Like, there is not. <laughs> it was ancient as the fucking hills, and I'm supposed to believe that he gets to fuck Catherine Zeta-Jones. You know what? Michael Douglas does I, it. I know, but it's like, don't ask me to explain that either. Like, but you know what? That's what I'm saying. It's like... You can say what you want, but it's not un- it's not even out of the realm of possibility for her. I know it's just it's so frustrating. I it's mean like... and there are a lot of women who will agree like Sean Connery is like an exception to the rule. I know I, you wouldn't, but no. you're a lesbian. So. <laughs> no, but he's also an asshole. Like Yeah, I have heard that he's a bit of a jerk. I don't That's remember bad. why, but I I remember He's hearing not nice to his um, lady friends, lady friends or co-stars. Mm. <laughs> That's disappointing. Not the nicest person. That's very disappointing. But I I don't want to rag on Sean Connery. Yeah, it's not what I came here for. <clears throat> um, this movie obviously became very famous after its after its release. I'm sure some of that had to do. This wasn't Hitchcock's first film. No, not by far. Close. Um. But I'm sure some of its popularity had to do with the fact that it was attached to Alfred Hitchcock. Um, But a lot of it was just so groundbreaking. 
Do you think that some of its popularity was in the like sort of underlying queer motifs of the movie? <laughs> Are you saying Norman might have had something going on? <laughs> I'm not saying that. No. But there's like kind of a weird queer connection in this movie. And I almost can't explain it. I I do think part of that is just that Anthony Perkins in actuality was, I don't know if he was admittedly a homosexual, but he, I do believe he was a homosexual. Mm -hmm. Um, But then you get into the kind of mother attachment elements and the, uh, I, I don't even know how to describe his cross-dressing. I mean, it's all part of the psychosis. Well, it's I not- know how to explain it in terms of the psychosis, but in terms <laughs> of a queer motif, I don't think that it really plays into it because obviously he's not trans in any way. No. But there's this weird kind of like drag element in an odd way. Okay. You know, this like putting on a character to uh, fulfill a personal need or mm-hmm. a personal um, goal, which is how I would okay. describe drag. It's like you're putting on specific clothes. In my personal life, I, t- I tend to describe it as clothes of the opposite gender. Uh Obviously, that is not a rule. It doesn't have to be that. But uh, he is cross-dressing with this, like, intention of, like, basically playing his mother. Yeah. Do you think that there... Did you... When you were watching it, did you feel like there were queer motifs in this? I think that there was kind of that... sensationalized sort of you know it's more salacious because he was wearing women's clothing while at the he, time while, while yeah he ordered them. like it's it's more shocking to the audience it's a bit more i would argue that it's a little more <clears throat> queer phobic than i would say it has queer motifs i think that's kind of what i was getting at is that there's not that it promotes homosexuality, but that or or that it promotes queer ideas, but that there is like there are queer elements that are clearly being hinted at in the in the storytelling. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, Norman's attachment to his mother, <coughs> sort of, because Norman's not. I wouldn't say effeminate, but he's also not especially masculine. Either. It's not even. I would actually argue that he is kind of effeminate. It, I mean, he looks like he's wearing fucking mascara. That's true. That's like, he has these, like, big baby doll eyes with, like, really big lashes, and he's very soft. He's very clearly a bachelor. Um, he's, he's obsessed with his mother to the point that he, like, killed her when she took a lover. It's like, the whole thing is just bizarre <clears throat> in the way it is depicting these kind of stereotypes of of gay men at the time at the time in the 60s yeah yeah um yeah i don't know 
That I I had a hard time coming to terms with it because I wasn't really sure what to make of it. It was very strange to me. I wasn't sure how to how to pinpoint how I felt about it. I kind of. I'll be honest with you. I don't think too much about it when I'm watching. Like it's not. It's not like over the top offensive. It's also not. I mean, they do call him a transvestite. They do call him a transvestite, but like, again, there's that difference between the word transvestite and. But at the time, there really wasn't. That's true. <clears throat> and that's kind of where it gets dicey, is because it's like, well, by today's standards, the term transvestite does not in any way apply to a trans person. <clears throat> but at the time, there was really no distinction. No, but even then, the psychologist does say not exactly. Like, he does sort of rebut that. Well, yes, but I think it was pretty commonly believed by the other people in the movie that he had done this because he was a crazy transvestite. That's fair. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I see where you're going. (coughs) I don't know why I cannot control this cough. (coughs) Excuse me, I'm just going to lay down and die. Why do you think this movie became a classic? I think it's because it's kind of the first major example of its type. In it being sort of a slasher? In it being sort of a slasher movie. Like, Psycho is by no means by, like, sort of the 80s definition of what a slasher movie is, a slasher movie. But for 1960, this is about as close as you're getting to a bloodbath. Yeah, you're not going to get much closer than this. So, like, I think it's a classic because it's the first. And whenever you do something that's completely new or is a good example of something that's not getting done often, you have a good chance at hitting that. Especially when you have a director like Hitchcock. The movie is technically very well made. Technically very well made. And I will say I love this movie. Yeah, no, I love it too. But um, you get really great performances out of the actors. You get Mm -hmm. a really good director. The music is iconic. Like, it's... There really are not a lot of weak links in this movie when it comes to the performances. There really aren't. And, like... I think Anthony Perkins is phenomenal. Janet Leigh is phenomenal. Vera Miles (coughs) is not really given a lot to work with. Yeah. But I I still really love her character. Mm -hmm. I, I think she's very enjoyable. John Gavin is, is he serves his purpose. I, yeah. I think he does it well. I just don't, I don't think, find the character to be terribly compelling. No. Although, mm-hmm. his name. Yes, I know. Is Sam Loomis. Yes, which I believe is. A direct homage. That can't be anything no, but a no, direct it homage. It is. I My understanding is that it is. It had to have been that John Carpenter was like, okay, your mom was Janet Lee. I'm yeah. naming the protagonist or one of the <laughs> heroes of this movie, Sam Loomis. We are of course talking about Dr. Loomis from Halloween. For yeah. those of you who don't know, the gentleman who is sitting in the frame on Glenn's desk. <clears throat> Sam Loomis. I was like I, when I realized his name was Sam Loomis, I was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> I was like I was like he's Sam Loomis. He's Sam Loomis. Everyone's Sam Loomis. (laughs) (laughs) 
everything kind of came full circle. And I was like, oh my God, this is like the fucking most, everything ties back to Halloween. Even if Halloween stole it from them, technically, it's like, well, in our world, everything ties back to Halloween. And then you have Billy Loomis who quotes Anthony Perkins from Psycho. Well, and that's what I was going to bring up later. We, he um, he he has the line where um, we, all, he, go we all go a little mad sometimes, yeah. don't we? <clears throat> Which is, of course, what Billy says to uh, Randy right before he shoots him. Yeah. <laughs> and then it literally says Anthony Perkins, Psycho. Yeah. This movie really did influence so much later horror. And uh, I-, I think everybody clearly loves it for that. I think this movie became uh, uh, a classic for a lot of different reasons. A lot of what you said. Mm-hmm. But also because it it presented things in such a bizarre way. It was like... Everything about it was unsettling. Yeah. Like, even the things that were kind of... (coughs) My God, I really can't stop coughing. (laughs) Even the things that were supposed to not really be that threatening. Mm -hmm. Like, at one point, the guy who bought the house is on the phone with the... um, the guy who owns the company. I don't know any of yeah. their names. But it's when she's in the car and you hear like the voiceover. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, what What the fuck does he say? Um, uh, oh, he said, uh, he said he'd better get his money back or he'd be replacing it with her fine, soft flesh. Yeah, that guy was like. And I was like, this guy is cocoa for cuckoo poops. Like, this guy can really just fuck all the way off. I, the People with money are just fucking awful. <laughs> They're just bizarre. It's like, once you have money, all your brain cells are like, all right, we're downsizing. Which would not necessary anymore. I just, I remember watching the scene that he's actually in with her when he's like sitting on the desk and it's like. Creepy as fuck. Like, this guy is a fucking creep and a half. Like, he's asking to be stolen from. Like, I don't. <laughs> like I'd fucking take the forty thousand dollars too. Like fuck that guy. Oh, I would have. Wouldn't you have taken the forty thousand dollars? Hell yes. I would have done it, and you would have never seen my fucking fat ass again. I would have been <laughs> gone with forty thousand dollars. I would just be I, like, first of all, the guy's a fucking dick. So it's like you clearly don't need the money. You're uh, God willing, you'll be dead any minute. So like, <laughs> fuck that dude. I'll just take his money and run. Yeah. No. Fuck that guy. He's like, I'm buying this for my daughter for her wedding present. It's like, yeah. Well, fuck her too. Yeah, fuck your daughter. She's probably stupid and mean, too. And she probably hits on women on their desks. (laughs) (laughs) When they can't do anything to stop it. No, because you're rude. So before we uh, say goodbye to Psycho, there is one other thing we should probably address. Okay. Well, there's several things. First of all, how do you feel about the end of the movie? I kind of love the end of the movie. Um Depends on which part of the ending we're talking about. Are we talking about the 20-minute psychiatrist explanation of the film, or are we talking about, like, the fruit cellar? Let's go with all of it. How do you feel about the fruit cellar? Um, I love the fruit cellar. I think it's I think it's a great little scare, plus then 
I love Anthony Perkins' face when he comes I through. I think it's hysterical. It's he's like, surprise! <laughs> like, I can't even explain. And then the faces he's making when Sam is, like, wrestling <laughs> really? him the ground. He's not like, even, like, trying to no, wrestle. He's, like, he's just like, ah! <laughs> you know, but he's, like, jutting his jaw out. Like, Literally, like, like, having the time of his life. Yeah, but, like, I, I love the fruit cellar bit. I love the the ending with the the voiceover from Mother. Also, is that, that another uh, is that is that yet another dig? <laughs> the fret, the fact that she's in the fruit cellar. <laughs> Let's talk about does, that. Does kind of feel that way, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I um I love the bit in the fruit cellar. I love the the bit after the psychiatrist explanation where we get that voice. The mother from voiceover. Mother. Um, is really fun. I also think Anthony Perkins is face just does amazing things in that scene yeah he does an amazing job in that scene Um, i will say the mother's voice is a bit confusing to me in this movie it's probably the only weak link for me in that other people hear it at certain points yeah no and they try to explain it away with like with because they're like oh well he speaks as her he can have full conversations as her and blah 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 and it's like but it sounded like a completely different voice. It sounded like a, a a voice he was incapable of producing. And that was kind of my... I, I do think I wrote down as a note that it's it's kind of cheap the way she throws her voice like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, of course we're going to think it's someone else because why on earth wouldn't we? <laughs> like, yeah. We hear a second person talking to him and it's it's clearly not his voice at all. No, it is clearly not Norman. And by the way, the name Norman. <laughs> Norman Bates. Uh, you don't name someone Norman if you don't want them to grow up and kill people. <laughs> That's just not a thing. I mean, it is an unusual name. I, I get the distinct impression it probably went out of vogue a bit after this film. I don't, maybe. I don't or think maybe it many... came into vogue. I feel like a lot of people wouldn't name their son Norman now because of this movie. Yeah, but then you get Norm from Cheers, like yeah, 15 years later. I could yeah. see there being a few Normans. I've never met one, I don't think. I don't think I have either. <clears throat> yeah, I don't think I've ever met a Norman. Not in my lifetime, anyway. See, if my last name was Bates and I had a son, I would absolutely... How could you 100% not? name him Norman. <laughs> I'd name him the mother. I couldn't help but sneak it in just once. Everyone calls her the mother. Yeah, and I'm like and I'm like, are they all related to us? How does why does everyone call her the mother? The mother, the mother, the mother. But yeah, no, that whole psychiatrist explanation, that whole breakdown at the end of the movie that's essentially just like, in case you couldn't keep up, this is what's happening. <laughs> it's like, it's so unnecessary. Like it it just it bogs down the whole end of the movie. Like it's such a useless scene, and it's like if you've been paying even just the littlest bit of attention, like you can figure out what happened here. Yeah. It really is not, uh, it's not that difficult to figure out based on what you've seen. The movie, in my opinion, probably could have cut right from the fruit cellar to Norman in the jail cell. Yeah. I don't think we needed that explanation. Granted in the sixties, Maybe it was not as common for people to understand the psychology of it. So it was, it would have, maybe in the, at the, at the time, it would have been harder for people to understand because they don't have the, this, like, psychology was not a common practice back then. 
No, it wasn't. I I just think that if it had to be there at all, it could have been about half the length. Yeah, it, it was... Like, easily. That was this movie's Tom Bombadil. <laughs> really, frankly... That's uh, the name of the psychologist. You didn't hear them say it at the end of the... <laughs> <laughs> the, the the psychiatrist they they're like oh, and this is Doctor Tom Bombadil <laughs> and he's like well I think that I think that Norman was infected by nasty chia seeds and 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 you're like okay Tom back to your hole um yeah, also I, what were you gonna say no I'm sorry it's such a stupid thing I can never pay attention in that scene because I'm just looking at the actor's lips the entire time he has like these bizarre like this bizarrely large lip I did not notice it's just like the shape of them is unnerving (laughs) like I'm just watching him like I can't I can't take anything that comes out of your mouth seriously that's the scariest part of this movie for me (laughs) it's one of them Tom Bombadil's lips yes my goodness uh I, you know, I was really pushing for consider the Merkin, but I think at this point it has to be fuck t- Bob, uh, fuck Bob, <laughs> <laughs> fuck Tom Bob Bombadil. I just, I'm done. This episode is over. I have had it. My brain is fried. I have, I've been awake for far too long. Um, I did love the ending with Anthony Perkins. I thought it was really well executed. I did think the whole blanket thing was like, but like, what are we doing? <laughs> that that one cop comes in and he's like, he had a chill. Can I bring him a blanket? And it's like, who are you asking? <laughs> like, can is he allowed to have a blanket? If he's allowed to have a blanket, bring him a blanket. Like, I don't I don't understand the problem here. <laughs> the only thing I could I think they were worried about is that they'd bring him the blanket and he'd make a house coat and slippers. I don't know <laughs> what what was the why did we have to ask about the blanket? It seemed like such a weird, bizarre detail to throw in. I mean, in theory, he could have hung himself with it, hanged himself with it. I mean, I suppose. I suppose. At the time, I don't think it doesn't seem like something they were that terribly worried about in the sixties. You would w- think they would have tied a noose in it. <laughs> that said, um, before we go, there is one thing we have not discussed. Okay, and we're just going to go over it real quick because I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on this. <clears throat> okay, this movie has been parodied and referenced, and uh, you know, I mean, obviously, we have the iconic string quartet that appears in literally everything including drag queens mixes yes what we have not discussed is the 1998 remake starring vince vaughn as norman bates anne heche as marion crane julianne moore as lila crane and viggo mortensen as sam loomis have you seen it um i have seen about a quarter of it Mm -hmm. that's about as far as i got really yeah. So you're not a fan? No. It's much different. But again, it's like you're trying to replicate something that was kind of masterfully done. So it's like, well, what was even the point? Why would you remake something like Psycho? Which is kind of <coughs> which is kind of my stance on the remake as a whole. It's like mm-hmm. this isn't remakes are supposed to be let's fix this. Mm-hmm. When you have something that doesn't need fixing, there's no need to remake it. No. Like... It would be like remaking the birdcage. Yeah, you don't need to remake the birdcage. You don't need to remake Jaws. You certainly didn't need to remake Psycho. 
Mm-hmm. Like, we're never going to need to remake, like, Jurassic Park. No, never. Like, there's... Even though, in, I guess, some ways they have tried because it's franchised, but... Yeah, I mean, Jurassic World, I guess you could say, is a reboot, but not a remake. Mm-hmm. But, like, the idea of, like, telling that story over again is just... It's pointless. So it's... I don't want to say it's offensive to me that the movie exists, but it's like it it offends my sensibilities that someone thought they should make it. Mm. Like it feels lazy. It it does feel lazy. It's like, oh, let's try and capitalize on this thing that everybody loves. And it's like, but you don't need to. The only reason I could see them doing it is for like again, not to be the old lady yelling at the clouds, but like the young people who don't want to watch a black and white movie or who don't identify in any way with the 60s. But it's like, what do you think of me? I'm 30 years old. Like I I didn't come anywhere near the 60s. Yeah. I, I never watched a black and white movie in the movie theater ever in my life. Nope. So like, if I can suspend my disbelief enough to watch an old movie, there's no reason people today shouldn't be able to do that either. And I I don't think that this story needed to be retold. And frankly, I don't think the people they chose to do it could do it as well as the, the originals. No, I don't think that you could have found anyone. And I mean, this isn't even shade against Vince Vaughn. Like, I really don't think that you can find anyone who can play Norman Bates as well as Anthony Perkins did. I agree. And and I like Vince Vaughn. I'm not, I'm in no way saying that Vince Vaughn is, <clears throat> you know, uh, I, I'm not trying to come at Vince Vaughn. I'm not being shady. But it's like, how do you live up to this? You you just can't. And it was it was kind of a bad choice for them to even try, in my opinion. That said, I've never watched the whole thing. So maybe they did add something that I... I would think was necessary for a contemporary audience, but I can't imagine what I it mean, would be. Apart from like Anne Heche's titties, I can't really think of what it would have been. I mean, that's lost on me. If yeah, I'm being it's honest, kind of lost on me to be perfectly honest. <laughs> 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 like, I have no desire to see Anne Heche naked. Yeah, me neither. But like, I, I, I don't know. Cause I, I hear people all the time say things like, Oh, we should remake jaws because the effects look bad or like, and it's like, but we you should, cannot replicate the genius of you, that movie. You, you can't. And like, you're never going to be able to to replicate what Richard Dreyfuss and what Rob Scheider did. Mm-hmm. And like, you can't do that with so many movies that are like this. Like, and, and frankly, it's upsetting because it's like, then the only thing you're fixing is you're going to make the, sh- the shark CGI. And yeah. that's all you're going to do. And yeah. it's like, I don't need that. No, and it's not. It's not worth it because, like, this is the thing. If you remade Jaws, and I know we're completely off topic now, but (laughs) if you remade Jaws, like, are you going to show Alex Kintner getting eaten? Are you going to show more of the guy in the pond? Like, like, what are you going to do to make it a better movie? Because arguably, if you do any of those things, you've made it a worse movie. Yeah. Part of the beauty of the original is, is what you imagine happening. And I think the same is kind of true of Psycho. Like, when you're watching the shower sequence, like, we don't see the knife go in at any point. No. Like, so, like, if you go back and you reshoot that scene and it's just buckets of blood and you see every hit, like, it takes away so much of the the imagination of it. You know what I will say about the blood in this movie? I don't know if it's... The Bosco it's chocolate syrup. The Bosco's chocolate syrup. <laughs> 
I don't know if it was like a censor thing that they weren't allowed to show a certain amount of blood, but like this was the most convincing film blood I think I've ever seen. It is surprisingly it's 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 surprisingly good. It like wasn't overdone because no. I I anytime I've watched like a true crime documentary and I've seen mm-hmm. like the aftermath of a of a brutal murder, mm-hmm. there always seems to be a little bit less blood than I expected. Yeah. And there's not a lot of blood here. No. There's enough for it to be like, ooh, shocking. Mm-hmm. But it is not like overdone. And the consistency of the blood is like eerily realistic. Yeah. Because the consistency of blood in most horror movies and even non-horror movies, just movies where there is carnage, mm-hmm. is just not quite right. Yeah, no, there's something. It's too viscous yeah, in it's, most it's movies. Yeah, it's too thick. Yeah. Whereas in this movie, it was very thin and it like, I was, it, it honestly was eerie. It freaked me out because I was like, ooh, this feels like almost a little too real. Yeah, no, it's a little voyeuristic, it feels like, because mm. it, it feels that much more true to life. Yeah. Voyeuristic, almost like. Norman Bates. Almost like Norman Bates peering. Every over. time I say his name, all I can think of is Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> when he's like, oh, Norman Bates. <laughs> when he's in the kitchen and he has his wig on in yeah. the bathrobe, but nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> Every time I say it, I'm like, Norman Bates. Uh, and speaking of, I think that's just about the best place we can possibly wrap up this episode. <laughs> We hope you guys liked it. If we missed anything uh, regarding this uh, this classic, classic psychological thriller and horror, please let us know. We love to hear from you. And please send in more of your stories. We love getting your cryptid stories and personal stories. We will read them on air happily. We love hearing them. Thank you to Greg for sharing. They were very kind in sharing it uh, with us. And... We will be back with more mini-sodes on Patreon, patreon.com slash myspookygayfamily on Monday. We are doing the finale of Creepshow. We've been going through Creepshow in our mini-sodes um, on Shudder. And next Thursday, we'll be back with another main episode right here, wherever you are listening. So until then, stay spoopy and remember. It's not as if she were a, a maniac, a raving thing. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Alon, and this episode contains clips from Psycho, distributed by Paramount Pictures 1960. Please subscribe on iTunes, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. Barbara Duel.